As you've noticed, we have decided to continue this uh, sermon series for the coming weeks where we are asking, probing, even challenging questions about faith and life. Today's question is in the bulletin, what is the opposite of faith? With the world's events of this week, namely Russia's aggressive invasion of Ukraine, we may be easily leaning into the opposite of faith. Lutheran pastor Nadia Boltz-Weber does a weekly newsletter, and she puts it bluntly. I'm pretty freaked out right now. Maybe you are too. It could be the Russian invasion and the world in peril, or it could be some other peril of your heart, your life, in perilous times, it's actually normal to wonder about faith, to wonder where is God, to wonder about what centers us and keeps us focused and faithful. We might easily gravitate toward the opposite of faith. In my early and naive ministry years, I was pretty sure the opposite of faith was Doubt. Faith. Doubt. Indeed, I have to confess that the first sermon I ever preached in a congregation on a Sunday morning was about the story of Abraham Sarah and, and Sarah, and the text was from Genesis 17 when this famous couple chosen by God, Abraham and Sarah, discover that Sarah is pregnant at 90 years old. She laughed at the idea the text says, Sarah doubted that her pregnancy could be real, could be true. It seemed to me then that doubting was the opposite of faith. With God, we learn everything is possible. So I concluded in that very dreadful sermon <laughs> that the opposite of faith is doubt. But through the years, I have come to appreciate that doubt has a great role to play in our life of faithfulness in the faith journey. As I've said before, I have in my study a little plaque, a gift from one of you that reminds me with these words, there is more faith in honest doubt than all the creeds ever written. I've certainly learned in my life, my own life, how doubts can lead to faith. I've certainly learned in my own journey how struggling with faith can lead to deeper faith. So friends, the opposite of faith is not doubt. What is the opposite of faith? We have a very interesting story today from Scripture. This story always appears in the lectionary on the Sunday right before Ash Wednesday, Transfiguration Sunday. And this same story or similar story is in all three of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Today we read from Luke chapter 9, the words are in the bulletin, so follow along if you're interested. It says this, now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on a mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. 
Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep. But since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. And just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. And then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent, and in those days told no one any of the things they had seen. This is the word of the Lord. This is to me one of the more challenging stories that we find in the Gospels. Many of us are easily engaged by the keen sayings of Jesus or the way Jesus cares for the poor and the sick, the widows and the lame that draws us right in. We love his teachings about how to live and how to love, and certainly his parables full of intrigue engage our minds and our hearts. Even his miracles and his healings grab our attention because in those moments, Jesus is embodying the beautiful, wholesome reign of God, and we see it right there with him. So, so much of the Jesus story is so real and so engaging and so compelling. But this story, the transfiguration, it is most unusual, haunting even. I think this is a story trying to teach us again about faith. What is faith? What is not faith? What is important? What is not important? The story of the transfiguration starts out with a kind of a mundane comment. Jesus took with him Peter and John and James, and they went up on a mountain to pray. Some of us have been to this region of Galilee where Jesus lived and loved. The Sea of Galilee remains so prominent in this region, and it's surrounded by nice hills and beautiful countryside. And about six miles east of Nazareth and about 11 miles southwest of the Sea of Galilee, there is a mountain. Mount Tabor. For centuries, people have concluded that the transfiguration must have happened on the top of Mount Tabor. It's a dome-shaped mountain, and it rises about 2,000 feet above sea level, which makes it loom large in that region. When it says, Jesus took with him disciples and they went up on the mountain to pray, it really means that they took a strenuous hike to the tallest peak in the whole area. Jesus and, and his disciples have been very busy working, teaching, healing, helping. They've even just fed thousands of people. And then Jesus takes them on a mountain hike, a strenuous hike. It's easy to understand their weariness. 
fatigued from such a journey. And Luke, Luke, of all the stories that, uh, the Gospels that include the transfiguration, is the only one who mentions they went up the mountain to pray. Why couldn't they just pray right where they were? Why couldn't they just be with Jesus in some sacred spot and not have to take this strenuous hike? Prayer is hard enough. Staying focused and faithful is hard enough. Why did they have to go to the top of this mountain? And then things get mystical. While Jesus was praying, it says, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. And suddenly there were two men, Moses and Elijah. They appeared in glory. Peter, fatigued, perplexed, responds. Let's do something. Let's make three dwellings. So back to our question. What's the opposite of faith? What is faith? What is the opposite of faith? I think we have to commend Peter for many things. He's with Jesus. He's trying to learn what it means to be a disciple. I think we have to commend Jesus. He's just taken a big hike, and Peter has gone with him. And we have to commend Peter, too, because he wants to do the right thing. So his intentions are stellar. But let's think on this. Quick conclusions to mystical moments, maybe not the best thing. Quick activities that may want to impress somebody following mystical moments may not be what faith is all about. I think we're often like Peter, actually, anxious to figure things out, jump to conclusions. We all like to assume we know what's best and let's get busy doing something about it. That's what we hope is faithful. Don't just sit there. Do something. Peter was so taken with that transfiguring moment that he wanted to enshrine it, build something to mark the occasion. We know anything about that? Build something to mark the occasion, enshrine it, build a monument for posterity. Posterity. Peter was so filled with the moment he wanted to stop and admire it, build dwellings, preserve the situation. And that often gets us off track of being faithful. The great Soren Kierkegaard philosopher and thinker reminds us of this. Same point. Jesus asks people to follow him not admire him. Jesus asked us to love God and love our neighbor, not build a dwelling so we can enshrine the moment. It's not about adherence to a teaching, but followers to a life that Christ is looking for. In fact, this is what Kierkegaard says. What then is the difference between an admirer and a follower? A follower is or strives to be what he admires. An admirer, however, keeps himself personally detached. He fails to see that what is admired involves a claim on him. And thus he fails to be or strive to be what he admires. 
In this sense, the opposite of faith is simply admiring Christ, staying detached, instead of finding authentic and faithful ways to follow, to live and serve and think and do like Jesus. Thoughtful pastor and teacher Eugene Peterson says that, and I quote, busyness is always the enemy of real faith. It is doing the easy, st- easy thing instead of the hard thing. It's filling our time and our own actions. It's filling our time with our own actions instead of paying attention to God's actions. It's taking charge and forgetting that God is always in charge. I think Peter wanted to get busy and build some dwellings and take charge instead of paying attention to God and God's actions. What's the opposite of faith? Building dwellings when we should be paying attention to the moment. What's the opposite of faith? Racing into inappropriate activities instead of learning to love God and love what God loves and listening to God. What's the opposite of faith? We also have to add some other things. The opposite of faith. Last week, Youth Sunday preacher and senior Charlie Adams strongly reminded us that apathy is the opposite of faith. Jesus calls us to pursue righteousness and too often we're detached and apathetic and indifferent to Jesus and his plans for our lives. Thank you, Charlie. Anne Lamott, one of my favorite writers, says that certitude, certitude is the opposite of faith. So many faithful people seem so certain about so many things. But certitude never seems to get us very far. We need way more than certitude. In these particular days, we need openness. We need kindness. We need grace. We need forgiveness. We need generosity. We need to listen. We need to love. Openness, kindness, grace, generosity all seem to align our lives with following Jesus, not just talking about Jesus. All those things seem much more about discipleship, not certitude, not certitude. In her column this particular week, Diana Butler Bass, a church historian, writes about how the invasion of Ukraine is about uniting economic and political and spiritual power. She says Putin wants Moscow to be the center of the Orthodox Church not Kiev, which has long been the center of the Orthodox Church. The mixing of faith and power seems to be the opposite of faith. The mixing of power with whatever is on our hearts is the opposite of faith, even when you try to draw in religion. Jesus spoke often about the intertwining of religion and power. That's the opposite of faith. What's the opposite of faith? Maybe no faith. No sense of belonging to one greater than we are. No sense of purpose beyond ourself 
and selfish gain and selfish attainment. No calling to make the world better. Bring wholeness and hope to the situations that we find ourselves in. To be peacemakers with everyone we're with. No faith may be the opposite of faith. But this is why the transfiguration story remains so important, actually. Look at what unfolds in this story. The mystery, the mystical, the not-to-be-missed moment, this radiance, this glory, this white and clouds and shining Jesus dressed in white. And then words, these words. This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. Now we're getting to the essence of faith, right? Not the opposite of faith, the essence of faith. The key component of faith is listening. We listen to God. We listen to those who have gone before us, who've lived faithful lives, and remind us what faith looks like through perilous times. We listen for God's call upon us. Do justice. Love kindness. Walk humbly. We listen for God's expectations of us. This is what I expect of you. Love God. Love your neighbor. We listen for God's promises, important promises that intend to penetrate our imperiled lives, penetrate our frenetic existence, especially today and tomorrow and in the days ahead as the storms keep swirling. These are the promises. You are known. You are loved. You are held by God in every single moment. These are the promises. You are forgiven, and you are strengthened to forgive others. You are blessed. You are given life and eternal life, even when you feel overwhelmed by grief and challenge and heartache or whatever's facing you. Nothing can separate us from God's love in Christ our Lord. We listen this. Nothing is too much for God. We listen for that. Today, tomorrow, forever. So, shaped and held forever, we live in love and serve. We seek to be Christ's hands, Christ's feet in this perilous world. That's what we listen to. It's not about doubt. It's not about certitude or dogma. We live with humility, sharing Christ's peace. We live and move and have our being in God. That is our faith. That's what gives us life, no matter what comes our way, no matter what happens. Whether we live, whether we die, we belong to God. This is the essence of faith, and it empowers us to live faithfully, doing justice, working for peace, in the world. The writer and psychologist Brene Brown has inspired many people in recent years, and she uses this phrase, wholehearted living, which she describes as a posture of resilience and compassion. 
resilience and compassion that begins when we say yes. Yes, we are imperfect. Yes, we are vulnerable. Yes, we sometimes doubt and we are sometimes afraid. But that does not change the truth. The truth is we can also be brave. We can also keep on with resilience and compassion. We can also keep trusting God and keep serving God. That's our calling. That is our faith. We certainly need resilience and compassion in these days. We need to be people of deep faith who belong to God and who live with courage and hope amidst all that's happening in the world and in our particular lives. The words of Psalm 46 seem so pertinent to me today. It's almost like God is speaking. Listen to him. God is our help, a present help in times of trouble. The earth shakes, the kingdoms totter, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. There is lots that might be the opposite of faith. But by faith, we live. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, you bless us with so much, so many promises, so much your presence and steadfast faithfulness. Give us faith, hope, and love for the living of our days. Amen.